Welcome to the Management Insights Podcast Series hosted by McGraw-Hill Education. My name is Debbie Clare, Executive Marketing Manager for our management portfolio. Today's topic, teaching critical thinking skills to increase student employability. Our guests, Angelo Kanicki and Patrick Salamani. Welcome to the show. Hi, Deb. Hi. So what I'd like you to start with is telling our audience a little bit about yourselves. Wow. Well, this is Angelo Kanicki. So I have been at Arizona State for 35 years, and I'm now also doing some teaching at Kent State University. I have been an active researcher and consultant, and I've also been a textbook author for also close to 35 years. I have two products with McGraw-Hill, one in organizational behavior and the other around principles of management. And uh, my name is Patrick Soleimani. I teach at George Mason University. I originally came from industry. Uh, I teach principles of management, organizational behavior, and entrepreneurship courses. I also oversee our undergraduate programs uh, at the business school. I also, with McGraw-Hill, have the pleasure of authoring digital material. Excellent. So why is critical thinking skills so important for today's students? Because life is getting more complex. The real answer, Deb, is that research involving employers tells us that students are graduating without the skills that they desire. Employers are saying students are not career ready, which means they don't have the desired skills. That's putting pressure on professors, academic institutions, to help get students the skills that they need to get jobs. Parents don't want their their sons and daughters waiting nine months to get a job. So as I see it, Deb, is our role, both as textbook authors and as professors, is to help students get those skills. So let me use a couple of examples. Heart Research did a nationwide study. It was very interesting. They had 613 students and 400 employers. And they basically asked them to evaluate a set of competencies related to career readiness. What they found was, across all the competencies, is that the employers thought less than half of graduating students had the skills. In contrast, the majority of students thought they had the skills. For example, one one of the competencies is on critical thinking, which is very, very important, the topic of today's podcast. The employers thought that only 26% of college students had the competency of critical thinking, whereas 66% of the students thought they had those competency. Now, that gap is really important because what it says is, if you generalize, students are coming to our classrooms thinking that they are career ready and that they have these skills, which means as professors, we need to find ways to do assessments or give them feedback where we can give them accurate knowledge about the status of their competencies. And I agree with everything Angelo just said. Another point is we can't just blame the students for this gap. We have to look at ourselves and how we're teaching in the classroom. A lot of times we teach to theory instead of teaching to skills. These survey results that Angelo brought up, for the top four gaps that are there, problem solving, creativity, analytic thinking, and collaboration. The thing is that our expectation is that students may potentially walk into the workplace and apply theories on their own. They can't do that, and we can't expect them to do that. So how can we help them? Well, we need to help them understand how to formulate problems. We need to get them to understand how to think critically about issues that are out there. A lot of times, we either provide them with too much information 
So they don't think critically. They just memorize things. Or too little and they get confused and we're not there to mentor them. You know, Patrick, one of the biggest challenges I've found teaching in the last 10 years is getting students to correctly identify the problem. I've had to talk about it and practice it. It seems simple, but it isn't so simple. Patrick, do you think that to advance these critical thinking skills, we need to focus on higher levels of learning? Oh, yes, definitely. Because some of these uh, major gaps that I just mentioned correlate with Bloom's levels. And what I think it's really important is we stop focusing on right and wrong answers. We need students to be focusing on how they get to an answer. You know, speaking of that, Patrick, my MBA students told me, and this is almost half of them, in the last go-round of interviews, they were given a one-page case and told, okay, read it. And then the recruiter asked them some questions where the recruiter was more interested in the thought process than the ultimate answer, which really goes all the way back to critical thinking and problem solving. Right. It reminds me of those old calculus problems where the answer was just the smallest portion of the actual work. It's how did you get there? Yep. Now, out of curiosity, how might your approach differ in a face-to-face, hybrid, or online environment? So let me talk about um, face-to-face. I haven't done online in a long time. I know Patrick does. But in face-to-face, the first thing is you have to ensure that students come to class with a basic level of knowledge. And there is where McGraw-Hill has a great product called SmartBook, which is adaptive learning, which helps us to ensure that students have some knowledge. Deb, if students don't come to the class with a basic level of knowledge, you're going to spend all your time lecturing. So SmartBook has enabled me to get away from lecturing and focus on the higher levels of learning. It's, it's quintessential to have something like SmartBook. Now, once you have that and use that, then that's where the fun begins in the classroom because you can do role plays, cases, exercises, whatever you want to do to get the higher levels of learning. Me personally, I am what I would call a discussion-based teacher. So I like to use a lot of broad discussion-based questions to get them to think about things. For example, I might start a class and say, hey, what was your key takeaway from this week's readings? Just a very broad question, and then we, we talk about it. I like to use little ethical uh, dilemmas to challenge their thinking. And then, of course, I use a lot of cases. So the product that you're using, some, some products out there have good cases, some not so good. But I like to use cases to foster critical thinking. Right. And, and I'll talk about the online portion because I teach heavily there. You know, a lot of times my colleagues discount the online medium of delivery's ability to challenge students in the critical thinking and problem-solving realm. I disagree with that notion. I think there are plenty of ways to trigger students to think critically. For example, I use Manager Hot Seats Online, where I have students watch the hot seat videos. I put them into discussion boards. I have them grouped up, which remember, not only are we now hitting critical thinking and analytic thinking, we're also thinking about collaboration. Patrick, what is so unique about these hot seats that enable you to get to that critical thinking? Well, because they don't have a right answer. It's a dilemma, and the student has to figure out the different stakeholders. What is the problem? How do you address that problem? It's not an A, B, C, or D answer. You know, I've used one of their, uh, I've used multiple hot seats, but I use one called Mediating Morality. Mm -hmm. And I know you've seen it, Patrick. It's a short clip, maybe eight minutes long. I've had a discussion for 45 minutes on an eight-minute clip. 
right? And it doesn't end there. I've used that same hot seat video. And what I do online is after the students have com- uh, communicated and collaborated about it, I actually have them create a diversity plan based on what they've seen in that video. Ah, so for those of you listening, creating a diversity plan is the highest level of learning on Bloom's taxonomy. So what we're saying here is McGraw-Hill has assets that can take you, SmartBook, from the basic level of understanding and remember to the highest level of create. That's wonderful, all the different techniques that you're working with. What advice do you give your students on how to really master their critical thinking skills? Well, I always want them to think about how what they're doing can be applied to the real world. I don't want them to just memorize. Too many times our students are, are trained to just memorize the answer to a question, a definition to a specific word. We need them to understand how these concepts are in the real world, how they can be applied, and how they can analyze real world issues. So for me, what I do is I take a simple problem-solving approach. What's the problem? What are the causes? Give a solution. So I drum into them, Deb, over and over again, every time we do a case or a hot seat. What's the problem? What's the causes? What solutions? Asking them to use the content that's in the book to solve those. The other thing that I do a lot is I tell the students, Albert Einstein had a quote, goes something like this. If we continue to solve the problems in the same way that we have been, nothing will change. So I tell the students, you must think differently, think differently, get outside the box. So that's a basic thing to me. The answers to to challenging situations in today's organizations is not straightforward. You must think, you must process, you must go outside the box. So that's how I try to promote it. Now, before we close our session today, what final advice would you give your peers and colleagues on really focusing in on critical thinking to ensure your students have those employable skills? Okay, so this is Angelo. I know I've said smart book before, but I just don't know how you can get to higher levels of learning unless the students enter the class with the basic knowledge. So to me, smart book, maybe you've got to do that. If you don't do it, you're going to be lecturing, and lecturing does not get to higher levels of learning. So the first advice is you got to get them engaged and prepared before they walk in the door. That's the first thing. The second thing is you need resources then to help you create a discussion-based interactive environment in the classroom. Speaking as an author, I will say this. My particular products have what's called a teaching resource manual that provides those assets. If you don't have them, then look for products that do because you need dynamic, interesting things to create that learning environment. And, you know, what I would say is most of the learning takes place when students are applying, analyzing, and evaluating, which means we can use tools like application-based activities, also known as simulations. These put students in a manager's position, and students have to make decisions, see the results, and sometimes those results may be sub-ideal because we're not perfect. And many managers in the real world don't make the best decisions. And we have to learn from that. I think a lot of times, a lot of my colleagues just teach to perfection. We have to teach students to be able to identify what's not perfection and how we can get there. 
Well, I want to thank both Angelo and Patrick today for sharing their experience and advice. To our listeners, check back for future topics and spread the word about our podcast series. Why? Because learning changes everything. Everything.